The can that keeps getting kicked down the road. South Dakota high school football mocked nationally for having seven classes for a state of less than one million people. And for years and years and years, there have been proposals and certainly clamoring to bring it down to maybe six, maybe five classes. And, well, today, more discussion about bringing it down to five. And maybe by January, we'll take the next step into maybe making that happen while we're still alive, to quote Rodney Dangerfield. Well, while we're young is the correct quote from the movie Caddyshack. It is Craig and John, Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, and KWSN.com. The Assistant Executive Director of the South Dakota High School Activities Association, John Krogstrand, was in on that football advisory committee meeting today, about seven classes to five, and he'll join us in one moment. Uh, I'm John Gaskins. Craig can listened in on the meeting, and, of course, Craig Maddock has been the South Dakota High School football state championship broadcaster for almost 20 years and so you can uh, kind of explain Craig the history behind this topic and what you gathered from it today well the uh, advisory committee today had made a recommendation to the board of directors uh, here recently and the board of directors uh, said uh, no go back and come up with a a, a better plan or at least come up with a plan that uh, I guess the board wanted more clarification. And so today was the first day for them to get together and, and, and go into that. And John Krogstrand joined us on the uh, Tires, Tires, Tires fan line. Uh, John, uh, were you kind of surprised today that the the board eventually, or this advisory committee, eventually decided to form a new committee with more members to try to come up with this issue? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I'm necessarily surprised by the move i think um just just i mean like like you said in the open you guys said in the open is it's it's just such a long conversation and and it's been one that everybody you know all all 170 some odd member schools in the state association all have a buy-in and they all have a stake in it um to really when you look at this and and to be quite honest in the 110 plus years of the association, I don't know that we've ever contracted a class of anything. So to have a, a conversation about it, it's, it's, it's unique, it's challenging, it's, it's a lot of moving parts. And again, I think the advisory committee really did in their, in their setting back in December, tried to take a look at all of those things and, and to do that. Um, but then as, as you get more and more feedback, because everybody does have that buy-in, it just becomes you know, more and more challenging as more and more different ideas come forward on it and, and you know, uh, pick away or, or uh, claw away at any at any plan that uh, they get sent forward. So, yeah, I, I don't know that it was necessarily a, a surprise today um, so much as, you know, realistically now just another chance for everybody to, to gather the information and, and to get ready to have that conversation and, and to formalize it even a little bit more and, and not put it on, you know, I think the backs of those those five or those six on the committee to make a decision for all 180, but to have more, you know, more buy-in from across the state potentially on something. And it was tough for them to come up with that finalization today because of kind of two options, two ideas. Uh, what do you do with nine-man football? And there is clearly a sign coming from the nine-man football coaches. They want three classes. They don't want to go down to two. 
And then the other one for 11-man football, how do you classify them? How do, how do you, I suppose, make it fair? First, talk about the nine-man division. How hard is it going to be for this new committee to try to convince nine-man schools that they need to go down to two classes? You know, it's, it's, it just comes down to a question of, of where do you see the future of, of South Dakota football and our schools and our population, um, you know, spread and, and all of that uh, and, and drift changing. Is, is really what it comes down to. And, and what we've seen is, is whether it was the addition of the All-Nations Conference that, that took certainly a number of, you know, nine-man teams away, but the annual school consolidation and co-ops and things being formed, um, you know, just in the nine-man division alone, from when, it, when it went from the three division or two divisions to three back in, in right before 1999 was the first year that that split happened, uh, there were 84 teams playing in the nine-man division. Um, the board at that time when they adopted it said, well, at 64, you are automatically going to go back after you've had a cycle where you've been uh, at below 64. And if you have where it's going to be another one, it'll automatically go back to a two-class system. So th- that automatic trigger is there. The discussion now is, do you wait for that automatic trigger to happen and that's the only way it can happen, like, like some maybe advocate, or do you take a look at what that means for those seasons which could be as soon as this next one of what fewer than 64 really looks like of, you know, five teams or even, you know, if you, if you get below 60, four teams in a region um, and trying to put those things together and just be, be functional, uh, let alone knowing that, again, we've continued to see, you know, situations that have propped up where you've got teams that are, you know, two, one and six teams playing each other. The winner gets to go to the playoffs. And and what is that game going to look like now when two and six goes to you know to that heavily favored opponent and those kinds of things and and maybe why you know we've seen some different things like eleven a you know the last few years that they've gone away from the sixteen man bracket and they've gone into the eight the eighteen bracket why eleven b has gone to seeding one to sixteen as opposed to using the regional format for some of these same kind of concerns so that's a real thing that once you get under that sixty four that you kind of have to have to weigh, and I think that's really kind of where the committee will go with it, is, is weighing those two ideas or concepts or, or you know, realities against each other and deciding is it, well, do we really sit here and wait for another, you know, whether it's one or three or five years, or do we proactively address it uh, to ensure that those, those classifications are full, that those regions are full, and now, you know, again, like so you look at some of those region fours in, in the nine mans right now, I mean, they're stretching from east of Pier all the way to, you know, to Edgemont, to Ulrichs, to Harding County, to wherever. Um, and, and calling that a region for the first-round playoff game certainly makes some challenges as well as what those games truly become. You talked about that requirement. 64 classes of nine-man automatically goes to two classes, and we have 67 nine-man teams right now. So there, there's a good chance, because they're so close, that maybe the nine-mans would, consi- would be okay with going to two classes. What about eleven man? What is the stickler, uh, stick the stickler with all of the eleven man schools? You know, it's 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 again, it's it's one that's just been a, a long standing conversation, and probably honestly, if a guy really wanted to and goes back and looks through the minutes, it's probably been a conversation since nineteen eighty when football playoffs first started in South Dakota about where exactly do you draw those lines to differentiate the classes from each other. And, and it's, it's, it's one that, I mean, annually, whether it deals with the postseason specifically or with the scheduling between classes or how the classes are divided, I mean, 
every year there's proposals, there's ideas, there's ways to, to tweak it to try and make it better. And, you know, and again, in the meeting today, you ask everybody on the call, how many of you think we should have seven classes of football in South Dakota? I mean, nobody raises a hand. Nobody says, yeah, that's what we really want to do. We're really in favor of that. So, okay, what's, what's kind of got to give? And, and again, like, you know, it's, it's either something on that nine-man side or, or on the 11-man side as far as where you drift, di- differentiate on those, you know, those divisions. And I think the, the big unknown that, that is a challenge and we, we truly might not have an answer for for the next couple of years is really what does happen in the Sioux Falls metro area over the next couple of years. You know, Jefferson's going to open. What are those attendance boundaries going to look like? What are those enrollments going to look like? Does the Sioux Falls Public School allow teams, or, uh, or not teams, but rather kids to come in from outside of the district that has been so restricted on open enrollment, you know, for the past few years because they've been over capacity? What does that do to, to a Harrisburg or to a Brandon Valley or a West Central or, or a Canton or any of the other area schools where maybe you've had kids that have open enrolled one way or the other? Do they come back home? Do they go into the Sioux Falls District? Do they, you know, all of those things that are going to be so, so loose that there really is maybe a little bit of a challenge there in the 11-man. But what, what, what isn't or what doesn't change, I guess, is that we know likely when this next cycle comes around, Rapid City Central is going to be back to being the largest school in South Dakota. And knowing that you look at the spreads and the enrollments in the Sioux Falls schools come back a little bit closer to the rest of AA, you know, a lot of the conversation eight, nine, ten years ago, you know, before my time even was not being able to compete against the Sioux Falls schools because of the enrollment difference. Now that that enrollment difference has gone away, does there need to be room for consideration for, you know, those larger schools that are now in the 11 AA to potentially, you know, impact there? And then certainly, Again, what are our demographics going to continue to do across the state, knowing that T's knocking on that door of AA and all activities, um, but even, a, you know, a, a Douglas, you know, a school that's that, you know, back at this time 10, 15 years ago was, was even in 11B for a stretch. Now they're in AA, and now you know that the, the, the uh, growth at the Air Force Base is coming, what that's going to do to their population. You know, may they not become one of the top five or six high schools in the state in a matter of just a few years because of the expansion at Ellsworth Air Force Base. So there's a lot of dynamics there, but really all it does is it comes down to where do you draw those lines to split those classes up and, and certainly the passion and the uh, the conversation that goes there, given really the 40 years of history that's truly built up to the conversation that you know, kind of got uh, reworked again today. John Krogstrand, Assistant Executive Director, South Dakota High School Activities Association. Again, a football advisory committee meeting today, determining that they want to expand to a new 15-person committee made up of more representatives, athletic directors, coaches, principals, superintendents, Native American representatives, and by January decide how this will look if we go from seven to five classes I want to follow up on the 11-man thing, John, and just ask you your own personal opinion, knowing the lay of the land so well, what, what makes the most sense to you in 11-man football of, of which class to contract? Well, I, I think, yeah, no, I think there's just, there's just ground in the middle there for, for that level of compromise and what that is. I don't know that anybody really knows yet. The, the thing that we have to address before – not you know fall of 2020 but fall of 21 is is one of two things is, is that we know with Sioux Falls Jefferson coming in if nothing else changes now you've got 11 teams in the AAA class where we've said well we're going to play a round robin schedule and we're going to seed based off of that round robin schedule so something's got to give there 
And when you talk about scheduling, you've got double A teams that say we absolutely will not play any triple A team and multiple double A's. So how does that become fair and equitable going back and forth? Or alternatively, Brookings is going to be right on the cut line between that triple A and double A with how things are worded right now and where their enrollment is at. Okay, if they come up into the triple A, that's great. Now you've got 12 and it solves those scheduling problems. But guess what just happened on the tail end is you've got seven left in the double A for an eight-team postseason bracket. And same question occurs there about how do you schedule, how do you handle, how do you work through that class. So I think some reorganization among those two classes has to happen. And I think once that kind of gets settled out, including scheduling and all of that, and, and looking at, you know, there's been talk about playing out-of-state games. Well, that's not necessarily always an option because you get into, you know, a Minnesota or a Nebraska where they play district play in, or region play in those last few weeks. You can't play them in those last few weeks of, you know, late September, early October. So those things aren't options. So you've got to, at some point in the season, be able to be self-contained. So once we navigate that compromise out, then I think you can kind of look at where those other divisions fall or even go from the bottom up and say, okay, here's where it's, you know, recommendable for 11B to exist. And then what does that leave us and how does it make most sense to uh, to divide out the remainder Either way, there's just, again, I think some sort of compromise or some, some little bit of moving parts there in the middle. Um, and, and again, the, the challenge, of course, too, is, is to be able to look at it not by, well, this team needs to go here or this team needs to go here because I said so, but by what, um, you know, what, what data, what metric are you using? Because certainly if you allow one to make that claim, how do you not allow 100 to make that same claim? One more on that, John, regarding it's been average daily membership is what basically has determined the classifications uh, for all these years, some states have what they call a success factor that determines uh, what classification you go to, depending on where they've been in the playoffs, how if they've won, things like that. Do you think the success factor could be added uh, with this classification talk? I think it's something that we're absolutely going to take a look at, as well as maybe even the uh... – uh, you know, the discussion of kind of a relegation factor or, or conversations that have been out there before about like a free and reduced enrollment factor. Um, not saying that free kids that are on free and reduced lunch can't or don't participate in sports, but they just, studies have shown time and time again, their participation rate is just much lower. So are there things like that, those alternative options to maybe take a look at that? I think certainly those are going to be part of the discussion. The challenge, of course, too, um, you know, as, as a couple of committee members noted today, is all of a sudden you get a team like a Canton, perfect example, smallest team in 11A. They just won a state championship this last year. Now, does that mean all of a sudden they've got to go up to the AA ranks and have to play against, you know, the, the likes of a school the size of a Brookings or, or a Watertown that's four or five times larger than them? So Ooh. I think it's, it's not absolute copy and paste. But I think there's some room to, to navigate and consider what you've uh, what you've got for some options there. Man. Too, certainly, yeah. Lennox, yeah, let's make Lennox it. Lennox would like to see Canton move up. I know that. So, but Lennox would that's like to a see different Canton. story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like English Premier Soccer. I think here we go. Maybe the maybe the worst eleven AAA schools move down the next year, and then I'm just kidding. Kind of. Um, am I kidding? Is that is that possible? Like the worst teams in eleven AAA? Hey, look, they get to play in eleven AA the next year. You know, it's it's honestly, John, it's been something that's that's been discussed because, you know, you take a look at, I mean, we all know there's one national record in South Dakota that probably will never, ever be broken, and that's Sturgis's streak. And that happened just kind of as a byproduct of them being in that double-A classification for year upon year after year and, and not having, 
you know, the ability to compete at that level. So maybe there is something to that and, and something that would help some programs out. So it's, it's not totally off the table, that's for sure. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm, I'm glad we made progress of what was just kind of a passing joke. Um, I get the, the $64 question. I know the show is called $64 million, but it's, it's, it's like a $64 question. I, seriously, but are, is this ever going to be determined before we die, John? <laughs> I think so. I, I really do. I mean, I think the... Um, the, the point or the, the time or the whatever has come, because again, I think you just, you just look around and, and see that over, you know, 20 years, you've lost something like 30 teams and we haven't contracted classes. In fact, we've added classes in that time frame. So right there alone, knowing that, that, you know, a lot of the basis for the argument has been, well, it's the spread. It's the difference between the top and the bottom, knowing that that's coming back to the pack that the number of teams that are playing football is coming back to the pack. There, there just has to be some natural, you know, we have consolidations of schools. We need to have some consolidation, I think, of, of the football classes. So I do think we will um, we'll see a motion. We'll see an effort. We'll see some discussion. We'll see a plan that comes forward um, to address it. And, and, again, there maybe is some middle ground or some other things, you know, adjusting that nine-man number, whatever it is, um, to, you know, as far as the division between who plays 11, who plays nine. You know, obviously we had the conversation about six man. There's a lot of ideas that are out there, but I think I think really truly now, given that the top is coming back to the pack and that the pack has gotten a little bit smaller, I think there really is a push this time that, that we'll see some uh, some legitimate and some forward change here in the next hmm. uh, next couple of years. Craig, anything left for John? Uh, how quickly will this uh, committee be put together? Is it 15 that you're looking to put on this committee? Yeah, so we're kind of kind of taking a look at it like we did when we uh, we added the wrestling dual championships back in. It's taking the, that advisory committee and basically allowing them to bring quote unquote two buddies with them or somebody who's got a like role to them. Um, the concept would be is knowing there's still a lot of lot of hiring, there's a lot of job changing and things like that that's still going on in our schools, and obviously it's impacted as everything else is with with our current you know health situation and everything. So. Uh, sometime around August, probably before that first board of directors meeting at the end of August, we'll have a kind of a preliminary meeting with this group and set some ground rules and say, here's what we're looking to do, and then allow them to kind of have the football season to meet with their cohorts, to talk with everyone, to experience the football season, to see how things really are in South Dakota, to put it maybe under that that magnifying glass and then come back together, whether that's you know a meeting in the Dome or sometime shortly thereafter uh, to review what we've got, what we're doing, and what we need to do going forward. Um, with our football classification, and of course, obviously, hoping everybody is well, stays well, and 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 does the right thing, so we're able, truthfully, to be able to have a football season here, in realistically just some you know 15 short weeks away. That was where I was headed with a, with the final question, uh, John. Is you know Kim Nelson was on a month ago. He's been coaching for 40 years. He said he doesn't want on his watch any possibility of a kid getting sick and spreading the coronavirus and worse than sick and. Um, he didn't feel comfortable about playing high school football anytime soon. That was a month ago. Uh, what's your general sense of coaches, athletic directors, decision makers about, about a high school football season? I get it. It's May 1st. It's, uh, we're four months away, a little, little less than four months away from opening night. But um, where do you think things are at? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I would say cautious optimism at this point. I mean, you, you, having the governor come out and, and having the, the back-to-normal plans and those kinds of discussions there, 
schools are continuing to work. I mean, absolute hats off to all of our school personnel. I mean, what what used to be 40 and 50 and 60 hour weeks are now 60, 70, 80 hour weeks and working with kids and, and to do that. And I think there's a lot of coaches too that would tell you and, and school people that would tell you, if we don't have activities in athletics, are our kids going to come back? Are they going to be as motivated to continue to do the learning and to do the things that, you know, that, that's the carrot over a lot of them right now of continuing to do distance learning is, you know what, we got to be eligible for football. We got to be eligible for, for basketball coming up. So I, there, there is an important caveat to all of that. You know, at the end of the day, obviously, we're going to continue to follow the guidelines and, and do what's recommended of us. We've got some great partners that are different health facilities across across the state, the National Federation. You know, and the NCAA has come out with their kind of their return to play guidelines and plan that, that just hit uh, uh, hit the, the public, I think, within the last couple of days as far as, you know, a three-tiered step of being able to come back to some level of normalcy Again, we've got to see cases go down. We've got to see those instances go down. We've got to be able to be where it's safe to be back in school, uh, but then realistically taking a look at what we do. We might, yeah, we're going to have some adjustments and maybe some changes when, it talk, when you talk about coming to games and, and, and seeing how those things work out. And, you know, maybe the test case is, is whatever summer baseball does this, you know, this summer, whether it's American Legion or, or in a club aspect or, or any of those things. And, and learn from others and see what we're doing. But again, I, I think we're cautiously optimistic that, that there will be a fall sports season. And uh, yeah, I mean, really we are, it's actually, I think 12 months away or 12 weeks away, take it back uh, from our first slate of practices, August 3rd, we've got soccer teams that are hitting the pitch and are out practicing already. So we know that that is sooner rather than later. And we've got to be ready to make those decisions, make sure our kids are in a safe place. But I think the direction that we're trending and the news that we're hearing and the positive steps that everybody keeps taking are, are very helpful towards having that. Now we've just got to kind of keep it up and uh, and have those things break our way. But we're absolutely planning for uh, planning for the best, but also you know preparing for the other side of things too. And we'll we'll be adaptable as we need to be. But certainly, it, it is our goal to have that full championship season here for fall of 2020. All right. You you mentioned adjustments and changes coming to games. Uh, what is the SDHSAA? Uh, considered when it comes to fans in the stands fans not in the stands measures that might need to be taken because of all of the of all of the covid concerns if indeed we do have uh, high school sporting events in the fall yeah I, I think what we're going to do is is continue to work with our our health partners and and again governor's office department of health as far as what those guidelines might be you know i obviously we've seen the the different different reports where you got the Miami Dolphins saying well, we're only going to have fifteen thousand yeah. people in our sixty five thousand stadium, or you got the you know Major League Baseballs that are saying maybe in front of nobody, and and you know talking to some of my friends who work in in the college levels and the things that they're looking at. So I think the 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 answer is is it's pretty wide open, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of it, to be honest with you, we might just have to be flexible because of what different localities are going to allow or or not allow, or what different cities are going to allow, and some of that. You know, and the saving grace maybe is that in, in some of our sports, when you are outside in the fall, you can get creative, you know, whether that's having fans staying in their cars at football games or different things like that that, that are allowable and, and pretty easily done. But, yeah, when you talk about getting into a gym for a, you know, for a volleyball or for a basketball or a cheer and dance event, those kinds of things, it's, it's I think it's, it's probably like a lot of things. It's maybe a little, a little too early to tell, and I think that we know that right now, you know, there's there's realistically no way. But again, you look at like that NCAA report um, that they put out for their their athletes alone. You know, they're looking at at least you know kind of a month before before they're able to even get into a group of 50 to do 
just the the teams themselves together. So uh, I think it'll be you know it'll be probably a process. We might have to do some creative things, but again, obviously we're we're blessed with partners like you guys and and others that you can do the live streaming and you can do some coverage of events even if they are done you know in a in a challenging situation as far as attendance. So a lot of it I think will come down to again the guidance we get from our local governments and things and state government. Um, but again, too, what might be good in Sioux Falls or what might be happening in Sioux Falls might not be the way it is in, in Pier or in, in Bison or wherever it may be. So I think some, some flexibility, some adaptability, uh, because, yeah, at the end of the day, our, our whole job is to make sure that the event's safe for everybody that's there, you know, participants and spectators alike. Do you have a notion on when you'll decide about fans in the stands, or will that be about the same time X when I think kind of, you decide on the athletics themselves. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we we we'd have to have some of those decisions kind of made by that early part of August because again, realistically, gotcha. you know, we've got we've got golf events that that start on on as soon as August eighth. I think it is this year, August seven, August eight for golf and and tennis, and then we turn around and we have we have soccer matches then uh, as soon as August fourteenth. So I mean, that early August time frame was is realistically when we're looking at when events are going to be. So if they're going to be held then what are those parameters yeah. for fans? And again, you know, it's, it's a little different too from, you know, a soccer game at Howard Wood Field versus Yankton Trails Park. So some, some flexibility and adaptability there. But, but again, I think that late July, early August timeframe is really where we're going to have to be. Well, I know the fans in the cars in some towns in South Dakota or at the Rushmore Bowl in the <laughs> Rapid City, that won't be much <laughs> of an adjustment for some people. Uh, they, they already like it that way anyway. Yeah, just, I mean, just like in those late October, early November games when we'd all love to be in the car with the uh, the heater running full blast just to be able to survive it. <laughs> exactly. John, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You bet. Appreciate it as always, guys. Take care. All righty.